Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This week, we are discussing a somewhat random topic. We're going to be talking about TPA, the core treatment right now for ischemic stroke. Some of that might change, but right now it's the core treatment. Despite the outcry of many brilliant physicians who oppose the widespread use of TPA, it still somehow became a begrudged standard of care for us in the United States. In adults with acute ischemic stroke who meet certain criteria, we give TPA. That's what all of these stroke alerts are about. It's about getting TPA in as soon as possible, hopefully less than 60 minutes from when the patient presents. Physiologically, how this is supposed to work is that TPA activates plasmin, and then that plasmin breaks down fibrin. That glue holding the blood clot together is made up of something called fibrin, and the plasmin breaks down that fibrin clot into little D-dimers. That's why we give TPA. It sometimes does work. Doing this has been shown to improve long-term outcomes in some studies. The numbers vary, but the TPA itself supposedly adds about an extra 12% chance of improvement three months out. But there is also about a 6% chance of causing horrible, devastating bleeding, which we're going to talk about next week. That's TPA. It's very high risk, high reward, 12% benefit, 6% risk. If you believe the numbers cited by the pro TPA people who control the current medical environment. The most important thing today though, you also need to know that there is a very important list of TPA contraindications. You have to know this list. One of my attendings when I was at Ohio State won't let me recommend TPA unless I could recite for him this list perfectly. It's that important. I'm just going to read this list first. Just listen. This is based on a revision of the 2013 American Heart American Stroke Association guidelines, and it's on MD Calc if you want to pull it up. 10 absolute TPA contraindications that you have to remember. Just listen to the list first. One, blood on your STAT non-contrast head CT. Two, your history suggests subarachnoid hemorrhage. Three, neurosurgery, head trauma, or stroke in the last three months. Four, blood pressure higher than 185 over 110. Five, any history of intracranial hemorrhage. Six, a known aneurysm. AV malformation, cancer, or other structural abnormality in the brain. Seven, active internal bleeding. Eight, suspected endocarditis. Nine, severe hypo or hyperglycemia. And 10, bleeding diathesis, which can be low platelets. If they're on warfarin with an elevated INR, heparin with an elevated PTT, or any use of the new anticoagulants that can't be measured with blood tests. 10 things. And I had to recite all of them every time. 
And so if you want to never miss something on this list, that leaves you with basically two options. Either you're going to use an app or some sort of checklist. I do recommend that. Or if you're going to try and learn this and remember this, at least learn it in the way that I'm about to teach you. Here's how I do it. Exclude from this list the three objective contraindications that you have right in front of you when a patient comes in because these are going to be available every time and you're not going to miss those. The blood sugar should already have been checked by protocol. The blood pressure will already have been checked by protocol and they'll be getting the CT of the head without contrast, no matter what, by protocol. So that's three things you don't have to memorize from this list or specifically ask as long as you're just paying attention. That leaves seven. Next, ask about the two most obvious contraindications. Has this patient ever had bleeding into the brain or do you think that they're bleeding into their brain now? Sudden, maximal at onset headache, that type of thing. That then leaves five contraindications. And from there, it's as easy as A, B, C, D, E. A, ask if they have a history of aneurysms, AV malformations, cancers, or other structural problems in their brain. B, ask if they are currently having any internal bleeding or symptoms of internal bleeding. The three C's, within the last three months, ask if they've had any intracranial trauma, intracranial or spinal surgery and intracranial strokes. D, do they have bleeding diastasis? Ask about blood thinners and clotting disorders and check the necessary blood tests. Of note, you don't have to wait for all the blood tests to come back and result to give the TPA if your suspicion for this is low. And then last E, do you suspect endocarditis? Are they having fevers? Are they IV drug users, murmurs, that type of thing? You'll already have your blood pressure, glucose, and CT scan by protocol. Just watch out for it. Ask about those obvious two, if they've ever had brain bleeding or if you think their story is consistent with brain bleeding today. And then A, B, C, D, E. Aneurysms, AV malformations, or other structural abnormalities like cancers. B, do they have any internal bleeding or symptoms of bleeding the three C's within the last three months, have they had any intracranial trauma, intracranial or spinal surgery, or intracranial strokes? D, do they have a bleeding diastasis, or are they on blood thinners? And E, do you think they have endocarditis? Those are the core contraindications for the three-hour TPA window. Along with this, there's a huge group of relative possible contraindications as well, which you can look up if the stroke is minor and almost completely better, any surgery or trauma in the last couple weeks, any GI or urinary bleeding in the last three weeks, seizures when the stroke started, recent lumbar punctures, arterial punctures, pregnancy, if they have pericarditis after an MI. Again, these are all relative. And though I always try to take note of them, I usually just let my neurologist make the decision on the TPA if it's worth it or not in these relative contraindication scenarios. They're not absolute contraindications. My old attending did not make me memorize that list, thankfully. One final thing, there is a three to four and a half hour TPA window add-on list if you want to squeeze some more patients into the TPA group, which we usually try to do. 
you can look this up, or again, it's an A, B, C, D, E type of a thing. A is age greater than 80. B is bad stroke with an NIH of higher than 25. C is if the CT scan shows multiple lobes involved. D is bleeding diastasis or anticoagulant use, even if the INR and PTT are normal. And E, has the patient ever had an old stroke or diabetes? That's the extra four and a half hour TPA cutoff criteria. You can try to memorize them if you want, but I usually just look it up on the app again. And that's, I think, the main stuff you need to know about TPA as a student. Just remember those contraindications. That's all we're covering in this episode. Again, use an app or MD Calc or something to help you remember this so you don't make mistakes. Add some safeguards in. Until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.